Hi there, I'm Michael Clark, and he's Mike Pereira. Together, we're the hosts of Mid-Credit Scene, a podcast about movies. And this is a Mid-Credit Minute, kind of bonus mini-episode, where we talk about big important things, like snacks, double features, and more. So we, we had sort of said, you know, if there were, uh, one, a film that you feel you have had in, inherited from a previous generation, what would that be? And, that, and then a film that you would like to sort of will on or or to leave as an inheritance for the next generation, what would those, what would those be? Yes, this is a good question. We stole it. Yeah, it's a good, heads you know, up. As, as the best things come, it's stolen. <laughs> but that ties in because... I think the problem there is that everything that I would steal from the previous generation, they stole from the generation before them. Who stole it from the generation before them? It's a cycle. Everyone's constantly stealing stuff from everyone. So the kind of stuff that I think about as the things that I you know, inherited from the generation before me, things like Star Wars or The Thing, uh, that you know, I wasn't around when they came out, but I inherited them from people who loved them at the time. Uh, you know, they also are stealing from stuff before them. They're stealing from Kurosawa. They're stealing from the thing from another planet. Uh, the biggest example i can think of for this and probably the one that you know i I would call my favorite movie of all time you know it's it's not a it's a basic pick it's raiders of the lost ark but that Mm -hmm. is so clearly taking from elements of movies before then it's so clearly taking from spielberg's own childhood uh and i think every generation needs to get that one big adventure movie and and, uh, raiders of the lost ark does it for a certain generation for i think Mm -hmm. me the one that i would hope gets passed on it's the 1999 Brendan Fraser, the mummy. <laughs> like uh, it's <laughs> I just rewatched that like a week ago. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so I, every time I watch it, it's like, it's not going to hold up. It's just, it, it can't, there's no way it's going to hold up. And it is just still the most fun time at the movies. You've got just some of the best movie star performances out of Fraser and vice there. You've got an iconic visual. You got a mummy who can open his mouth real big. That's all you need. One iconic visual to stick to. Uh, it's just scary enough where it's like, feels a little threatening. If you see it the first time when you're like 10, 12 years old, but not really that scary. And it has the most important thing that we have completely lost from modern movie making, which is just this little stupid weasel in Benny. It was just my favorite character type. And we don't see enough Bennies in modern movies. We need to bring back Bennies. It's it's really true. There, there We have lost the villain sidekick. And I think that the society <laughs> is worse for it. As a librarian, I have uh, a huge soft spot for the mummy. Aside from all of the true things you've just said, it is one of the few like non-stereotypical depictions of a librarian in popular <laughs> culture, uh, which is a very short list. And I've made that list and it is very short. So I, I always appreciate when uh, mummy uh, affectation comes up. So out of curiosity, is, is Conan the librarian uh, from <laughs> UHF also on that list? Of course, obviously. <laughs> So, UHF is one of my favorites. Is love. Um, I I really enjoy John that that you you are you are a, a a quantum scientist and both of your films there are uh, ostensibly about uh, archaeologists. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little a little field uh, envy going on. You oh, just really well, want to be out in the sand. They get better field trips. That sucks. That's how it goes. The, the best mean, the physicists you, you get is a collider that... every once in a while. <laughs> to be fair, even Indiana Jones says something like 90% of all archaeology is done in the library. 
Yeah, fair, fair. He's so, mostly a grave robber, though, so you know we can. Yeah, I'm curious what his tenure review is like. It seems a little seems a little funky. <laughs> yeah, there's also some pretty questionable stuff in the third one about his relationships with students. Yeah. In that yeah. opening scene, you're like, I don't know, man. I feel like he's. If you do the math on it, he's a tenured professor, really young. I'm thinking that maybe that uh, college he works at doesn't have like the highest standards. They're just happy to have a warm body. I mean, and yeah, let's be fair. He is a little bit of a nepo baby. Like you know, he's he's got oh. his dad vouching for him. He, it's it's a different time there. That went point. very far yeah. back then. I think. It's yeah, pretty true. Marcus is the boss. Oh yeah, this is one hundred percent. That solves my problem. Of like, how could Indiana Jones be a tenured professor at the age of twenty nine? That solves it like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> the cause of and solution to all of someone's problems. <laughs> I have one other question that I want to throw in, and this was this is for both of you as as a really last minute thing. I, I mentioned this to Mike, but I would love to hear a, your pitch for a really bad quantum movie i don't have a good science fiction pitch but i feel like what we're missing from like movies about science in general is movies about struggling to do science and it just not fucking working uh (laughs) there's a lot of stuff where like yeah they get to this thing and they do this magical thing and there's not enough about like oh yeah someone's going to be spent like for everything that actually works there is someone who spends sometimes 50 60 years of their life trying to get this stupid thing to work and it never actually works so that's a good way to actually go insane with quantum mechanics is to keep trying to make this idea you have in your head produce fruitful results in the lab or produce a nice grand (laughs) unified theory surrounding it and just going nowhere with it Uh, so that's where people are truly going to go mad i would watch that I really like that idea i watched a documentary years ago on string theory and it was interviewing like two of the major proponents of each of the like I, I don't know if there's more than two i'm sure but like the two major like theories of of a grand unified a string or a, whatever the other major one was and the string theory guy uh they just had a lot of shots of him sitting alone sad in his office surrounded by way too many um chalkboards covered in equations and they're like how long you've been working on this he's like my entire career and they're like are you any closer he's like no (laughs) he's really passionate through the rest of the movie and every once in a while they just throw in this little like b-roll shot of him and and every time it happened i just Mm -hmm. imagined the sad charlie brown music playing over top of him because he just he seemed like the most sad human at that moment i'm like yeah you're you're probably not going to be able to break this in your your entire life and you're reckoning with that every moment. That's that's rough. Clark, what about do you? Do you have a bad quantum movie pitch? Um. Oh shit. Um. I don't know. Yeah. Here's here's my bad quantum uh, movie pitch. It's just a straight up remake of It's a Wonderful Life, except they remove the angel and they tack on a really bad scientific explanation. Instead of uh, Clarence being like a guardian angel, it's just like some guy who has like invented a time machine and uh, like decides to pick on George and and, like show him the error of his ways. It would be trash, no redeeming value. The explanation wouldn't hold up. And if after you watched it, you'd be like, but why? (laughs) (laughs) it, it, It seems plausible that 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 could find money in yeah. this market 
Mine was what, what caused me to come up with the question. I was just thinking about quantum movies and, and sort of ideas of like, you know, what, what, what is probably getting pitched around Hollywood. And I, I came up with, I, I thought of this cause I was like, this might happen, which is one, they're going to use AI to recreate Paul Walker and the spacefaring fast and the furious people are going to find a black hole and somehow go into another alternate Toretto verse in which Paul Walker didn't actually die and make a whole new movie in an alternate Fast and the Furious universe. And I'm actually thinking that's a reasonably feasible, like, next installment of this franchise yeah, at this yours, stage. Yours is the most likely of all three of us yeah. to actually and, and yet so tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> like, so tasteless. And yet... I wouldn't, it wouldn't even shock me. If if they time traveled in the Fast and the Furious thing as the next thing, wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Going right back. John, just for your idea, would you envision it as a comedy where like, it's like the constant failure is played for laughs or a drama where the constant failure is like, like really honed in on and like it's tearing his life apart? I feel, I feel like it's, I think both could work. I would go for comedy. I hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm music playing in my head every yeah. time I picture it. So like, I, I can I can see it working in that regard. Have have him go the entire movie, and you know, it ends, and he's eighty, and he's on his deathbed, and then like the idiot whose lab is next to him like solves it uh, as he's like a grad student, and then he dies, and then yeah, uh, Curb music comes up over the uh, the. The uh, the credits. I think that that's that's a perfect punchline. He finishes his masterwork. He lays down to die. Someone walks in and says, "Is that minus sign supposed to be there?" And he just <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> to hear more, listen to Mid Credit Scene Podcast on Midtown Radio or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>